Welcome to another Liminal Podcast and this is episode 36 and part 9 in our series on social innovation with Hannah Duplessis and it's our last one in the series and it's also my last podcast for the year and I'm very excited to have it this one with you Hannah. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad that you're going to take a break, Birgit. That's excellent. <laughs> so, yes, next week, this time, I'll be in a little town uh, called Port, Port, Porterville in a place called 22 Waterfalls. It's a campsite, and there's 22 waterfalls. It's in like, a, what do you call it? Next to the mountain, and there's this path you walk up, and there's just waterfall after waterfall. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's actually the place where me and my wife got married as well. Huh. Have you ever been to a place called 22 Waterfalls in Porterville? No, I have <laughs> not. And and I'm wondering with, with, the, with the dryness that, um, that you are experiencing, if there will still be 22 Waterfalls, will there? There will be at least 21, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> no, that is... Uh, it's just, you know, it's it's not massive waterfall. Well, some of them are pretty big, but it's it's beautiful and it's so nice. What's what's your plans for the holiday? Um, well, first I want to say I'm really glad that you and your family can go there and camp and just just connect. That's excellent. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm in next week. I'm in South Africa as well. Wow. So next I will week. Be, yeah, I'll be. Uh, holding my parents' hands and running around with my niece. So I'm very excited uh, to be home <laughs> soon. And, and we will meet each other for the first time early in January. Yes. How so, very, very nice. I'm so looking forward to that. And and maybe maybe we record another podcast <laughs> live. <laughs> Who knows? And that time I can interview you, but <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, that sounds like fun. So, what we we're talking about today? What are we talking about today, Anna? Um, the the thing I'd like to talk to, to about today is acceptance. Mm. Um, uh, you, you, when if we most oftentimes. Uh, or not most oftentimes, when we would do this type of work, we bump into things that are not easy, like disapproval and anger and fear and the pain of the world. And modern, um, modern way of reacting to discomfort is often to discharge it, like blame someone else mm. that you are not feeling great, or um, to numb it uh, and to dissociate from it. Um, and those strategies uh, can't work in in this type of work because what's in the way is the way. If we don't engage um, in a generative way with what is surfacing, whether that's anger or pain or disapproval, we're not going to shift the system. It's going to stay in that place. Yeah. 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 And it's real. It's working with the messiness. And uh, mm -hmm. and the, and everything that comes up when you when you work in this space, and I guess a lot of it's the it's the uncertainty, um, and that's what we, uh, Mark and I spoke a lot about last time. Which was beautiful, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, There's uncertainty, and then under 
uncertainty for me is that groundlessness of being, as Pema Children puts it, that discomfort of I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and that discomfort of, is 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 a thing that, that I want to speak about today. Mm. Uh, yeah, the discomfort and yeah, and being with the discomfort and accepting the discomfort. Accepting the discomfort. <laughs> Because some of the discomforts are really hard to accept. Yeah. Um, but but I, I do want to just just uh, have Rumi ha- have a have have this podcast. Uh, you know, oh, oh, let, let open it speak. for us. Have Ru- yo, let yo, Rumi yo. let Rumi have some room here in our, yo, in our podcast. Sick, man. Make, make some room for Rumi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to make room for Rumi. <laughs> He's got a beautiful thing that's been very inspiring for me. It's called the Guest House. And it says, this being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows that violently sweep your house, empty it of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight, the dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent to you as a guide from above. Hmm. And I find this so beautiful and so difficult. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's like being this hospitable host and being having your home, your house open to, to whoever shows up. Yes. And yes. whatever emotion, whatever, yeah, discomfort. Mm. And and um, I want to talk about a few few specific discomforts. Uh, mm. The first discomfort is something that 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 is fear. Yeah. Um, uh, you know that from the improv world. Before you go on stage. Your heart is like a little frog in your chest, <laughs> and and as a facilitator, the the moment that's most painful for me is when things don't go according to plan, and I. Oh boy. And we're back. So <laughs> right after you said uh, when things don't go according to plan, my Skype crashed and luckily uh, it did record. Uh, the recording didn't crash. So <laughs> we're back and things didn't go according to plan. But here we are. We're, we're back. Okay. So, so I'll, I'll just pick up where, where we left. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's nice. Okay. So... Um, I was talking about an exercise of um, um, uh, so something that I that I find very valuable when I'm facilitating and I'm in that I just feel my panic arise mm. is to accept it. Uh, and um, here is an exercise uh, I'd like to share that's been uh, terribly helpful for me by Martha Beck. She ah uh, Martha she, Beck, um, <laughs> lovely I. My wife just recently read her uh, that allegory of awakening. Anna herself, mm-hmm. yeah. So she, yeah, mm-hmm. cool. 
<laughs> it's a good book. It was um, my introduction to Martha Baker's through my wife who read her book just recently. But yeah, I'd love to hear the exercise. So um, the exercise, and anyone that wants to do it can do it now, is that you um, you imagine your fear, and but you imagine it as a as a as an animal. And uh, she suggests a, a horse, which I think. I, especially when I have a lot of fear, a horse is so good because this big, beautiful, but powerful animal that's uh. just, and you imagine the horse being full of fear and just frothing at the mouth, who's hooves like on stamping on the floor. And, um, and you set, you say to that, that horse, uh, you, you, you imagine yourself standing, looking at the horse and you say to it, I accept you hmm. be as you are. I offer no resistance. It's okay, honey. It's okay that you're afraid. And then you just stand there while you look at that afraid animal and you tell it, it's okay. And I accept you. And this, just that inner dialogue of making your fear, differentiating you from your fear, all of a sudden you now become the observer and the kind one. And that, Kindness um, and becoming the kind observer helps your brain to access, a, uh, to move from feeling trapped in the fear to feeling more spacious. And that's the best best gift that you can give yourself in that moment is to just move to a, a, a sense of, of um, spaciousness. Oh, I love that. And create, create kind of that space between you and the fear, because when the fear is, it feels like it's, it's like taking over, taking you over. But you can put yes. it like, oh, it's this, it's like this horse that's there, and I can kind of have a relationship with it instead of it being just me. Mhm. Yes, 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 yes. Because when it feels like it's being you, I mean, fear feels terrible in your body. Mm. It, just mm. it, it um it tastes like tin it your blood pressure rises your your tense it it's a visceral thing that you've been evolutionally designed to run away from yeah or to kill yeah so um i find that dynamic of being in the fear very true even in in conversations i was in a conversation not long ago as a just as a, a human not not a facilitator or participant and someone was was just voicing like this huge well of fear inside her and I find myself going down that everything's gonna to you know be a disaster path and um what I try to do is I try to stop the situation the the conversation I said hey this is very fearful is this really the conversation we want to have Mm. you know but but it was met with defensiveness like uh, uh uh and what I'm realizing is how different it could have been if I was realizing, oh, she's afraid. Mm. And maybe sit down and say, hey, I can see that this is really upsetting you. Or uh, or make a joke, you know, like, hey, I'm also scared of, of uh, you know, just, but yeah, just engage with it creatively as opposed to reactively. Yeah. Did, 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 it, did it manifest as fearfulness or was it, how, how was she acting? Was it? Because I think often it's fear, but it comes out as aggression, maybe, or or blame, or blame, or yeah, or withdrawal. Um, yeah, yes, right. Those are our three reactions: is fear, fight, flight, freeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, uh, in that situation, it was uh, it, it was clear clear fear. <laughs> okay, okay, just panic. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's another exercise where you it's also kind of to get distance from the feeling is, but you 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 visualize it like it's a like a character. So it could be an animal or a, just any like shape, but like it can be like a uh, uh, recently I had a client and he externalized this as this really tall thin pale character and mm -hmm. um, and exploring you know what that character and what is it that what is it that that character you know needs from you why what is it that it needs from you to do so that this character wouldn't show up so it's not necessarily just fear it could be anything situation that creates um it's called a triggered self it could be fear you know some certain situations trigger you in this way and it's almost like this mm. character shows up and it feels like it's you but then this exercise helps you to kind of externalize it and give it a shape and a uh, a character and you can even give it a name and then you you ask this character you know what what is it that you need from me so that you don't have to show up um, or you could all even say because usually then in those situations this it's almost like this character just comes and stands in front of you and you lose your voice and you can't speak up it's almost like this character takes over and you you kind of shift the position say how can I accept this character as a part of me but mm. kind of put it in a diff like maybe instead of having it's this character stand in front of me, stand next to me and I can, you know, be in a different kind of relationship to it so that I can respond to the situation from my, you know, true adult self and not from this character, but still almost, you know, be supported by this character instead of having it, mm -hmm. you know, get in my way. Mm -mm -mm. Mm, I really like the the principle there of externalizing yeah and then engaging exactly and it's almost like yes. shifting your relationship with a part of yourself to and often you know like like wanting to re, to reject this part of you or wanting to reject the fear but rather saying hey let's yeah I'm gonna engage with you I'm gonna accept you and yeah I'll respond from that place. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And we know from experience how nice it is that when we're in a place of feeling frazzled or whatever and someone shows up and says, hey, I see that you're struggling. Is there yeah. anything I can do to help you? Exactly. This feels so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, good. Yeah, I think it's super important. Um also, as we uh, enter more conversations globally that are filled with tension, yeah. uh, you know, and anger especially, anger is seen as a secondary emotion. Under anger is often pain or helplessness. And, and if we meet anger with disapproval, we close the door to transformation. Yeah. But if we meet it with acceptance, I accept you're angry. Yeah. Um, I want to know what's under it. Yeah. We are setting ourselves up for, for success. Yeah, yeah. The, um, 
Did you? Can I go continue? Yes. Did you want to say yes. something? No. <laughs> I was. Yeah, I was just wondering uh, if you wanted to say more about anger. If you want to tell us about the other, the other guest that shows up. <laughs> the other guest that shows up is um, the pain of the world, uh, and and I want to speak about this specifically on this podcast because I find that a lot of people who are drawn to the field of of whatever you call this, some call the social innovation, creating them a, a, a more whole world, and that a lot of people come to this because they have, have experienced pain in their life. Mm. And that pain creates a, a almost a void. Yes. That void creates a value for healing and and, um, and so on. And, and I was, you know, we both are Afrikaans people and in our culture, like there's, in, in our family, there was a saying that doesn't matter what happened the previous day or night. The next morning, you get up, you put your, on your smile and your makeup and you go on, mm. you know. Yeah. And uh, so by the time that I was in my mid-30s, I had accrued a whole bag, a black bag uh, that was huge of things that I had just never worked through, pains yeah. and, and traumas. And uh, my one of my huge one of my reliable coping strategies was just to work so that I don't have to pause and feel. Yeah. But at some point I was utterly exhausted, and I I sat under a tree and um, I had this image of a farmhouse that had been plundered or there'd been a war or something, but there were walls that were broken and trees blown over, and there was a corpse or two on the lawn, and I sensed that. It had been winter, then the snow had kept things in place, but the snow was melting. And um, I just had this deep sense, this knowing inside of me that said, Hannah, it's time to bury your dead. Hmm. And I was like, I have no idea how to do this. And the next thought that came up was um, yoga retreat. Ah. So I got home and I emailed the people in my life that I knew know about yoga retreats and I, as it happens and I love how you know when you really need something the help shows up so as it happens yeah. I had time I got tax money back and yeah. I was able to go to the to a retreat where it, the first half of the retreat was just honey you need to sleep you need to exercise and you need to eat mm, <laughs> like the basics like, yeah basic. <laughs> drink it's water just, yes yes <laughs> and breathe because and breathe yeah. exactly um, because our soul wants to mend, but it 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 kind of needs to feel safe in order to come out and mend. So safe in your body, because that's really those basic things: just breathing, drinking, and eating well, and getting enough rest and moving. That calms down your nervous system, so that you're actually more open. Exactly, and. And a lot of us don't feel safe in our bodies. Mm. We uh, so regaining just a little sense of safety back in your body was kind of the first step for me. And but and while I was at the retreat, I was like, I'm not ready to go home yet. Um, and there was a, another weekend um, offering. It was a guy, um, uh, uh, Louis Melmadrona, who was a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And a, a Native America Lakota elder. Okay. So I really love how he brings Western medicine with with um, uh, traditional knowledge. Yeah, cool. And and he had a, a workshop called uh, the Spirit of Healing, and he did many exercises with us. But 
at one point he said, if there is a place of unresolved healing in your uh, in in your in your psyche, and you kind of are looking for um, just just wisdom in terms of what what to do next with it. I invite you. You're you're here. You're in. You're safe. You're inside community and people who can help you. But I invite you to to go into that memory and and ask for help to help you. Ask this uh, the spirit of whatever religion you're from, God, to 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 help you gain. A little bit of insight into it, and something that had been present for me that week was um, in um, my my husband's uncle and aunt were uh, murdered in South Africa, sure. and uh, I, you know, there's there are different layers around each trauma. Some is just a daily miss of it and the not having people, but then but the 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 part for me that was unresolved is just like how can people do that? Yeah. Um. So I um. So I closed my eyes and I said, okay, please help me work through this one. And um, in my mind's eye, I saw myself um, walking up uh, a hill and uh, in, a, in, a, in the sticks, not in the city. And on the edge of, on the top of the hill, there was a little hut. And uh, I walked towards the hut and I knew, I, I knew that, that that was my destination. And as I walked into the hut, there was a fire in the middle and on the other side of the fire sat the guy that in, in, in my mind's eye, the story that my psyche makes up for me is, is one of the guys that, that murdered them. Sure. And um, I sat opposite him, not seeing him, just seeing the smoke and just asking, help me understand how that, help me understand your story. Yeah. And uh, then I, I saw the, um, just a, a village and in my mind, it was in Mozambique somewhere. And, uh, terror coming to that village and I couldn't really see what was the origin but but um, you know violence like uh, uh, much violence uh, mm -hmm. to the village and and him uh, fleeing from that village mm -hmm. and going to another village but also being terrorized there and uh, ending up in South Africa and ending up with a way of life in which killing people is not such a big deal because it's been happening so much in your world sure. and then the, something shifted for me and and i was able to walk into the the crime scene where my uncle and aunt lay and uh, i could close their eyes and you know just look at the look at what's happened as opposed to previously i just couldn't even yeah. imagine the house but now i could be there and say okay uh, I'm sorry this happened and thank you. And I had that sense of closure, which um, I'm telling the story because we have, all of us have, have pains um, yeah. that we bring <clears throat> that shape. And some are easy to digest and some I'm not sure if you ever digested. Something that's also hard for me about these pains is it's not only how that it happened, but often when the trauma was maybe prolonged or really intense, is how it shaped you, yeah. how you are, how it's difficult for you to just trust people, how it's difficult for you to be with certain people because it's triggering. So accepting not only that that happened, but <clears throat> also that it shaped you in a certain way is... Um, it's a big deal. Yeah, and it's almost like 
it shaped you in, in this way and and that's now a part of you that you also need to accept mm-hmm. yes but it, yes. it's all yeah but it, it you can with that acceptance uh, you can transform it mm-hmm. or, or do something else with it than be just be better or um, yeah or yeah you can it's like yeah I'm not sure how to say this but transforming the trauma yes it, it, it's um uh, yeah maybe you can say how, how did how did that transform it for you like how did it that experience shape you and how how did this visualization experience transform the trauma for you or that the way um, it shaped you well i have huge empathy for people who uh, who are outside the the formal economic system mm. uh for people who have experienced violence in their life uh, uh, uh you know often we look at them as uh, uh you know the outcast and we look at them and we see anger mm. and I see people who really need our care, um, who doesn't, they don't need to be put away into prison and they they need our care. So, um, because violence begets violence and uncare. And so I, so for me, it's just like, I want to help people who hurts, let hurt less so that they can find their place of care in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So that, 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 seeing that bigger story of that person and not just that one thing they did but their whole story and how what led up to them doing that thing and it's our story you know because all of us have have maybe my village wasn't burnt down but there's this stuff that happens to all of us and how can that um uh, shape us to heal that trauma inside of us so that we can help others heal so that we don't pass it on intergenerationally yeah yeah, yeah. um i i have just i have a a piece of a poem of clarissa pinkola estes it's a very long poem but it talks about um that pain is a door And I just want to read four stanzas of it. She says, the lake in which you almost drowned, that is a door. The slap in the face that made you kiss the floor, that is a door. The betrayal that sent you right to hell, that is a door. Abre la puerta, that's Spanish, that means open the door. Same old story, all strong souls first go to hell before they get to do the healing work of the world they came here for. If we are lucky... If we are lucky, we return to help those still trapped below. Abre la puerta, open the door. The scars drawn by chainsaws across the forest, those are doors. The poem of a new life that comes every dawn. The soaring of the sun, that is a door. The grave is a door. The door to hell is a door. Your grandfather, your grandmother, your mother, your father have died, leaving a hole in your life. Step through that hole. It's an opening. That hole is a threshold. That hole is a door. Abre la puerta. Open the door. Abre la puerta. Open the door. Abre la puerta. Open the door. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's big. I think if every one of us can find the support we need to heal the holes and step through them, our world will be in a very different place. And that's my wish for all of us that are listening, that we will find the support to walk through the doors so that we can create the world we want. It's almost like those things are doors in us that can open and, you know, that it can be filled. We can keep it closed and protect it or hide it away, but you can open it up and it can be filled with... Mm -hmm. God, with life, with light. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's quite beautiful when that hole, that soreness, that miss is, is, is shaped into something of care and compassion and curiosity, you know. Um, it's really, it's good. <laughs> And opening that door starts with acceptance. Well, I think it maybe ends with acceptance. <laughs> I think I think opening the door starts with facing our biggest fear. Uh. Because when a trauma happens, our mind often dissociates because it's yeah. too much for us to handle. So opening the door starts with stepping right into the reality of the story. You actually need to relive the undigested trauma in order for it to become part of your psyche and that may take a long time and that can be brutally painful and then you go through all the emotions of anger of why me of why does this happen and the frustration and the despondency and the helplessness you felt in that moment when your boundaries were crossed so terribly so and that's a long process for some people. Some uh, um, it may take a really long time. And 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 the idea of closure. I think I don't know if, if that's. For, I think for some situations you get real closure. For other situations, you just get the grace to accept that that happens, mm. and also be able to be in in the presence and the beauty of today. Hmm. Yeah. And. When you when you spoke about the pain of the world, I was also thinking about just with all the pain that's around you and that you hear and that it can overwhelm you and feel like mm. there's so much pain in the world that you know mm. what what can I really do about it? So so the one response is to numb yourself from it and, and avoid mm-hmm. to know about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. keep it keep distance from it mm-hmm. on the other hand you feel like it's so much you don't you don't yeah it's a fear of accepting all this pain is gonna completely overwhelm you and paralyze you mm. how do you yes. how do you respond to that pain um, just around you thank you for that question because for a long time i just tried not to feel it (laughs) but now I can't not not feel it Uh, and feeling it is sometimes really hard for me I I can have a weekend where I am overwhelmed by the world where I am crying and writing and I need to walk I'm just like really 
it really is a lot for me. But it feels like the length and the intensity gets gets a little, I feel like I'm de- starting to develop a little bit more more muscle to be mm. with it. Hmm. And one one of the things that are helpful to me is a a, a meditation called Tonglen meditation. T O N G L E or E L. <laughs> Bible spelling Tonglen and Pema Chodron does it. And what it really what, is what is what language is you, that? I think it's um, I don't know. What does it mean? Um, you don't have to I know either. I don't, <laughs> and I don't. I don't. But I do know one thing, and I'll share that, is that what it means in practice is that ah. you sit and you say, you, you breathe in the pain of the world. Mm. You actually open yourself to the pain of the world. Mm. <clears throat> and you... <clears throat> Breathe it deep into your belly, and then you breathe out blessings to the world. Hmm. May you be well. May you be happy. May you be free from suffering. Hmm. And then you take another breath in. And if you if you sit for, with that for a while, and you just allow yourself to feel the pain, but then also respond by sure. saying, I see you, I hear you, may you be okay. That is a very useful exercise for me to do in response wow, to that's... the pain. Yeah, wow! It's, it's transforming the pain through breathing. It's <laughs> it's a, such a simple practice, but I can imagine how it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. I did too. Um. Uh, shall we uh, go on to the last the last thing? Yes. <laughs> so, the last thing is. Um, <clears throat> um, we're not only going to meet pain on, on our journeys of, of social innovators, we're also going to meet disapproval. Uh-huh. And disapproval comes from, uh, from many sources, but I want to speak to two in particular. One is from the people around you, and one is from your own inner critic. Yes. So recently, not recently, some time ago, I did a workshop on nonviolent communication. And <clears throat> a while after, one of the participants met me, and uh, she... Um, she let loose, man. She uh, told me all the ways in which I did wrong, and the, the basic, the basic, the, the, the conclusion was, uh, you are no, you are not qualified, mm. um, uh, and you're irresponsible. Mm. Like, who the hell do you think you are? Mm. This you designer, you coming in and talking, having people talk about difficult uh, conversations when you don't even have a psychology degree. Mm. Um, that that was the one story. The parallel story is, and this was way in the beginning when I was just starting to do this work, I was asked to um, to chair a panel discussion with a group of really smart people, uh, and uh, the head of this and that, and the chair of that and this, and I felt completely and utterly inadequate. And as I sat there, moments before I needed to go on stage to chair this discussion, I just wanted to run away and that same voice came up asking me who the hell do you think you are uh, you little girl from africa with dust on your feet like who the hell do you think you are uh, and uh, it, it, it was a ter- i didn't do a great job at facilitating because i was so stuck in that story uh, uh, of i have no right to do this work uh, uh, and and um, and and 
self-compassion after that experience i realized shit in, oh, sorry i'm swearing that's fine you can put on um what, what's uh, on, on itunes it says uh what does it say when adult content adult content <laughs> <laughs> well actually shit is very much child content as well <laughs> oh, oh my goodness <laughs> Are you are you out of diaper changing, Berger? We are, we are. Recently, yeah. My little boy. He was he's a pro now. He's he's even better than his sisters that's two and a half years older than him. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to realizing. Oh my goodness gracious! I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to handle this voice, whether it comes from someone outside or inside that says. Mm. Who the hell do you think you are to do this work? Um, which really challenges your um, your worth, right? Yeah. Um, and one thing that's been helpful for me is self-compassion. Yeah. Because part of self-compassion is to accept that it's, it's shared humanity, common humanity, realizing that you are going through a difficult time, but other people also go through these yeah. difficult times. Yeah. So um, accepting that it's difficult to be human. Yeah. Like, it's just not easy to be human, and it's you. Which for you, like it's not things are not going to be good all yeah, the time. There's 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 a basic trauma just being in being human. Being being a human yeah. is traumatic in itself. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is, and that's not what the world says. It says you know being the world because the, it's like being human is so great. You go to these parties and you meet all these cool people, and mm. you know. Like, be great. Be awesome. Everything yeah, be is happy. great. <laughs> be happy, yeah. So to accept that this is part of what it means to do brave work. Mm, yeah. Um, and the the other side of, of just accepting that it's tough is also uh, accepting that um, that this voice of... Uh, of, that breaks wants to break you down may not be right. Hmm. Uh, Liz Gilbert, um, in her book about creativity, talks about a phrase uh, that David White mentions, which is called the arrogance of belonging. Oh. And she says, this is a good kind of arrogance, the simple entitlement to exist and therefore express yourself. Yeah. And it is the only weapon with which you can combat the nasty dialogue that arises in your head whenever you get an artistic impulse. Mm. You know that nasty dialogue, who the hell do you think you are trying to do this work to be creative? Yeah. You're so stupid. You suck. You have no right. You have no yeah. talent. You serve no purpose. Get back into your hole. Yeah. Yeah. And, and comparing yourself, like, these these people are professionals. Who are you? Like, <laughs> You're just like, you're an amateur. Mhm. Mhm. Yes. And we can get stuck in that mm. that um that cycle. And and I think uh coming from oppressive uh systems, the shaming is how we keep people subordinate. Yeah. It's how we keep people from not stirring the boat and from not bringing up things that are painful or hurtful. Mm. To keep yeah, keep keep you in place. In yeah. Place. Yeah. Yeah. But I think um, to get out of the place society has assigned to us, which keeps 
the patterns of society in place and yeah. to step into our true place and into the work that shifts and heals society, we need that arrogance of belonging. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, yeah. And I want to. That's the, yeah, that, that, uh, what goes with that is a lot of courage. Courage and a belief in your worth. Mm, mm. It's a belief kind of entitlement, that... which is also the kind of the good kind. Like I, I, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I am worthy, and I deserve to, to, to be who I am, and be creative, and have a voice in the world. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I want to read one last thing, which which is what Mandela read when he came to power. It's oh. by Marion Williamson, and you know it. But it says, oh, we yes. ask us, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? Yeah. You're a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't in feel insecure around you. We are meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. Mm. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. Yeah. As we are liberated from our fear, and I want to put in trauma and pain, our presence automatically liberates others. Ah, hmm. oh, having a liberating presence. Wow. Yes. May that be true for you and for me and for everyone in this world. Yes. Thank you so much, Anna. You are so welcome and I'm so grateful for you in this journey, Bertrand. <laughs> and I look forward to meeting you in person in January. Yeah. And may you also have a wonderful time back in South Africa and a healing time and a resting time and a joyful time. Thank you. <laughs> and <laughs> so to everyone who's listening to the Liminal Podcast, may this, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm going <laughs> to like a preacher ending his sermon. <laughs> <laughs> preach it, brother, preach but it. May, yeah, may uh, this last bit of the year, uh, it's also a liminal space, transition from one year to another. And um, and there's also lots of uh, like opposite feelings and emotions. It's family and it's great. It's the people, your people, but sometimes it's also, also difficult to be with those people. And that's okay. Um, yeah, may you have, may you experience peace and love and generosity and gratefulness and who knows what 2017 might bring, but it's ripe with possibility. Absolutely. <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> <laughs>